Canadian Export Challenge and the Startup Canada Awards are coming to a city near you. Entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Mississauga, Montreal, and Fredericton have the opportunity for a full-day entrepreneurial experience. In the morning and afternoon, attend your one-day global accelerator where you will connect to Canada's entire trade, export, and growth ecosystem. Accepted entrepreneurs have the chance to pitch to win $25,000 in cash and up to an additional $100,000 in in-kind scaling support. In the evening, celebrate the winners of the 2019 Startup Canada Awards who are driving innovation and growing the economy in your region. Register for the Canadian Export Challenge at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC and get your tickets to your local award ceremony at startupaward.ca. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As an online retailer, you can optimize every stage of your workflow to satisfy your customers. Learn how with a free ebook, Mastering Your E-Commerce Operations from Canada Post. Download yours at canadapost.ca forward slash ecombook. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC. Take on the world. Building your dream. Work-life balance. Scaling up. Discussing the topics that matter most to entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you know, one of the great things I love about interviewing amazing rock star entrepreneurs from across the planet is what we learn from them. And that's why I started Go Forth Garage. Go Forth Garage is all about providing you with the resources, the coaching, the mentorship, the programs to help you in your business. Just check us out at goforthgarage.com. That's goforth garage.com ladies and gentlemen welcome to the startup canada podcast show where we talk to rock stars across this great country of ours and beyond and my guest today is definitely i just watched actually the uh, the bohemian rhapsody movie the other day and uh, this is this is the freddie mercury of rural entrepreneurship that we're going to be talking to mary doyle is the co-founder and program developer for rural on purpose a social enterprise committed to strengthening rural communities worldwide through entrepreneurship with over 28 years of experience working in all three sectors private nonprofit, and government mary works 
to improve economic opportunities for people living in rural areas by piloting high-impact programs that prepare them for the future work. Her most recent project is a rural co-working pilot that builds a freelance-friendly ecosystem in a community in just six weeks. And I have studied this program intimately, and it is incredibly impactful. As a community builder and volunteer, Mary spends much of her spare time fostering strong entrepreneurial ecosystems. She's the founder of Startup A Quinte and is focused on developing a national youth entrepreneurship strategy in partnership with Loyalist College. She's been a speaker and panelist at numerous events ranging from the Canadian Accelerator Summit to the United Way to Women in Business Conferences, including the 30th Annual Canadian Rural Revitalization Foundation Conference. Woo! And Startup Kit Gay on the Hill. Today's podcast, we're going to talk to my great friend about what entrepreneurship means to her, the value of running pilot programs and community building. Mary Doyle, how are you, my great friend? I, I'm so excited to be here, Rivers. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm almost speechless after that. That was amazing. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Well, that's the team. They put that all together, although uh, your buddies across the country uh, know you pretty intimately with, the, with your uh, focus and commitment on supporting entrepreneurship. So I want to dive right into it. You really are. I mean, I'm, a, I'm a believer that you, you, the way you win in business is you zag when everybody else zigs. And a focus on rural entrepreneurship is, is one, in my opinion anyway, not a lot of people are really focused on nurturing opportunity there. So that's, that's, is that, is that what your research says to you? And what is the reason for that? If indeed that's the case? Well, I think that the focus for rural on purpose is, is the purpose part, the importance of purpose. And if you, I know if you had asked me when I was a teenager growing up in a tiny, tiny rural Uh. community, probably 250 people, um, if you asked me at that point what I would be doing and and said, you're going to be a rural advocate and working with communities all around the world to to help (laughs) strengthen rural communities, I would say you are crazy. Um, But here I am and it's important and, and, you know, things change and you, your perspective changes. And so I'm, uh, I'm really fortunate to be able to, to do this. And you're right. It is not something that's on the radar, um, around the world, but it is growing in importance and it's going to continue to grow in importance. And, and what's the, what's the trend? I mean, in my province, you see more and more people leaving the rural areas and therefore, you know, the governments, policymakers, whatever you want to call them, are, are really kind of, where do you put this precious money? Why invest in rural? And, and, and we're going to get into your program in a bit, but, um, again, I want to touch on that rural piece. If you're the, you're the premier of New Brunswick, uh, which you could very well be, uh, I would ask you, why should we invest in rural entrepreneurship? Um, because we have people in our country who are living in rural communities and they're living there purposefully and they're adding and contributing to our, our, our global wealth and our, our global character. And I, I, it's really important because it, by 2050, 90% of North American population is going to be living in cities. If, if, if the statistics are right, and if we keep, if we stay on that trajectory, we're already at 84% um, of people living in, in North American, in urban centers. And, you know, we're, we're in danger of, of losing some really, really important assets 
and to lose that that character that's part of our country and part of our 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 makeup rural and urban work together symbiotically and when we look at this this thing that we we talk about as being a rural urban divide I, I think that we're talking about the wrong things. I think we need to we need to start to change that narrative, change that that story to be something where we we look at all of the things that connect us rather than the things that separate us. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How we how we can uh, embrace the conversation around oh look uh, we we should look at exporting, we should look at doing business as Canadians in Chile, Mexico, China, and so on. But we really fight back with not fight back, but might ignore the opportunity that's right in our own backyard. It just happens to be forty minutes outside of the city. It's going to become more important, Rivers, as as we urbanize and as people start moving into the cities more and more and they they realize the value of rural communities and it's all about wellness it's all about peace it's about disconnection it's about getting back to nature and understanding you know understanding ourselves better and that happens when you pull yourself out of that that rat race um, and and you give yourself that that time and that space to really heal and 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 learn about yourself and i think that that's why we we attract so many artists right. that's why we attract so many creative people to rural communities because they're they understand that need for space they understand that need for for close connection with community members they understand that that connection to nature and i i really think that that's going to become more and more important as as we we grow larger and larger larger cities and if we don't have we don't have the ability to support people in rural communities and to to give people that place to come to reconnect with themselves then i think we're go- we're going to have a we're going to have some bigger problems than than we already do so let's talk a bit about the the artisans and the, the creators, uh, the solopreneurs. You refer to them uh, in your in your uh, organization, Rural on Purpose, uh, as the the freelancer movement. Is is that what's happening? Is, is is that the type of individual that is now migrating out of the city to the rural areas? And if it is, how are how are you um, working with them in the communities in building the Rural on Purpose uh, uh, initiative. Okay, well, that's it's really good, good question, Rivers. And we are looking at um, a whole shift in in our our um, our ecosystems. We have 19% of all freelancers already living in rural communities, according to global freelancer wow. statistics. So. When, when we talk about people moving into our rural communities who are freelancers, it, I mean, they're already here. We just, we just don't have a way to talk to them and, and connect with them. And they're, they're really in our blind spot as communities. We have a blind spot in our rural communities around freelancers. We're, it, their freelancers are going to make up 50% of our workforce within the next decade. That's, that's a reality. And Can if you say that again? 50% of our workforce is predicted to be made up by of freelancers. It's going wow. we're moving to a freelance economy. Mm, mm. And and even large employers are building freelance workers into their their 
what they call a liquid workforce. So, yeah. And so, so we have to start paying attention to that because it's already happening. And if we can build freelance friendly communities where we can attract more people to our communities who are bringing their own work, their, their own employment, their own money, this is new money coming into our communities that are going to help support the economy. And you're going to, typically bring in younger families because they're, you know, 50% of all, all millennials are already freelancing. Yeah. My daughter, my daughter is one of them and uh, she's got four or five projects as we call them, uh, freelancing projects already. So I, I concur that that's uh, what she's doing and she does freelance. She gets around the world. And so she's looking for communities that she can enjoy living in. Um, Mary, uh, you know, you're part of Startup Canada's uh, um, Startup Community Network, and you know that there's an ask right now nationally to, to increase the accessibility of uh, the internet into so that 100% of the entrepreneurs can get access to the internet, and I, I, I'm guessing that's a little bit more prevalent in the rural areas. How how does, so while, while this is happening, while this movement of providing that access to rural areas is happening, how does rural on purpose still galvanize and encase the strategy, your strategy on um, on the rural on purpose communities uh, that are supporting freelancers? Well, it's, it's a showstopper rivers if the community doesn't have high speed internet. I, unfortunately, I, I can only start with communities that, that have that ability. Um, okay. So it's, you know, it's, it's really important that that advocacy is in place and that people, communities that do not have high-speed internet and, and are not able to support um, independent professionals working from home, um, that's that's a showstopper. And we should all be concerned about that and working on that um, in our own communities. But in terms of working with a community to help build that ecosystem of support around freelancers, I, I need to have that as a starting point. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. So and that makes sense. That makes sense. But but is it is it also so so there are rural communities that have but but are you also uh, an, an advocate that that still is an issue to really uh, bring what's needed for entrepreneurs, freelancers across the country more accessibility to uh, I'll call it rural internet. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it it's. It should be a right for everybody because mm. I think that if you're you're disconnected, you're disconnected from the world, you're disconnected from education opportunities, from healthcare uh, supports, you're you're dis- disconnected from so much when you when you don't have access to information um, through the internet. So I I think that opportunities are there, but they're only there for people who have that connection. And so it's, it's, you know, Startup Canada has this focus on, on bringing um, digital adoption to communities that are underserved. And I think that it's so critical. And I I support that ask wholeheartedly. And so do the the MPs in our area. So I'm, uh, I'm really hoping that that's, that's going to work out because it's critical. Yeah, the dialogue's been very positive so far. So I'm like you; I'm very uh, enthusiastic that uh, that we're going to make that happen. Okay, so let's let's dive into rural on purpose. You get a community that says, you know what, Mary, I want to really in, embrace the freelance movement in my community. I'm seeing more and more of it. Um, I like 
the income that they're bringing to the community. I'm speaking as the mayor of Freelanceville. Yep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, these communities work best when there's a tight network of, of collaboration happening in the community. So, so give us the, the, the value proposition you're bringing to a community, a rural community, and you've done this in the United States and Canada, and, and now you're looking at Australia also. So what's the, what's the beginning conversation like? The beginning conversation, well, so far, the, the conversation has started with um, the communities reaching out to me that are interested nice. in in starting down this road. And, and and they understand already, I don't have to convince them, the, the leaders that are that are coming to me already understand the importance and the value of this moving into the, the future of work, the future of their communities and, and building strong communities. So they come to us as entrepreneurial communities. They have they have you know what's what's being called um, a high AQ right now. So you know you you know about IQ and EQ, emotional intelligence and and uh, intellectual intelligence. But AQ is really really important right now, and that's your ad- adversity quotient, um, and that's that refers to a person or a community's resilience. So in how do they adapt in the face of adversity? Can they bounce back quickly from challenges? Mm. Um, and so change is inevitable. And communities that have an entrepreneurial culture usually have a high AQ. And these are the, the communities that are, that are doing really well and that are, are setting themselves up nicely for the, the, to, to be able to deal with, with all of the changes in the future. So a community will will approach us that's very entrepreneurial that that is already doing really cool things. So they've got some momentum right. going. Right. And with that momentum is really easy to build on because they're open to mm-hmm. new things. Mm-hmm. And when a community's entrepreneurial and they're open to new things, then they listen. So right. so you can have a community meeting. So a community will reach out to us like um, High River Alberta did, and they they follow us on you know different social media channels and through LinkedIn, some of the articles that I've written, and they they reached out to us and said, you know what, we want to do this. You know, can you can you work with our community and bring this um, co-working pilot? So we did that, and uh, the first thing you do is you establish leadership in your your community that are people that are in the community willing to take it on, run a 10-week pilot and and help build that ecosystem. And it's really important that they they believe in what they're doing and that they're committed to it. So once we build a leadership team, then we we start the pilot and it it's it initially starts with a community meeting. And you know, it sounds like the the old barn raising kind of <laughs> yeah. rural rural kind of cliche, but you have to do that because one of the 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 things that you need to build any kind of an ecosystem is a critical mass. Right. Right. So you need mm-hmm. you have to you have to build that. You have to find at least ten percent of your your entire community who is willing to help spread your your ideas and they're committed to to the the project and uh, and they share it they share it and pass it on with other to other people it does not have to be 10% of the community who are entrepreneurs it doesn't right. have to be business owners it doesn't it can be anybody in the community as long as they are supportive and they believe in what you're doing that's your 10% so we open the doors and invite everybody the entire community to this community meeting to talk about 
what this pilot is and who, how they can get involved. Um, and, uh, you know, a funny story in, in High River, um, we were told, okay, we'll, we'll run this community meeting because it's part of the pilot, but, you know, it's a, it's a Monday night. People are tired. They've, they've yeah. gone home. No, you know, it's a pilot program that the municipality is running. You're really not going to get a lot of people. Just so you know, we want to set you up so you know that it's going to be a small audience. Um, I said, that's fine, but we're still going to create an event, right, just to register people, just to get an idea of, you know, so we can contact and follow up with them. And uh, the day of the community meeting, the venue host called me and said, you've got to turn off the, the registrations. And I said, why? And she said, because you're going to break my fire code. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, I love it. So we when as soon as you open up, you know, and most of the people had no idea what they were coming to learn about. That was a cool thing. They came because they were curious and because they were invited. So it wasn't just the usual partners that were invited to the table to discuss how we're going to, you know, implement some new project. It was the whole community. And it was, I ran it. I was in my living room in Ontario and nice. we had a live online connection video feed. And I was talking to a community in Alberta um, and this whole town hall kind of meeting and answering all of their questions and, and talking to them one-on-one -on -one about, you know, what we were trying to do. And, uh, you know, if you want to get people on board, uh, you have to, you have to play their favorite radio station, WIIFM. So <laughs> <laughs> say that for the people that I know, I know what you're talking about, but what, you got him. Yeah. Yep. WIIFM what's in it for me. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, as soon as you do that, as soon as you can talk to people and say, this is why it's important for you to be involved. This is what you're going to get out of it. This is how it's going to impact your business, your community, your grandchildren, you know, your neighbors. Um, then all of a sudden they're on board and, and that's, that's human nature. That's all of us. You know, we all want to know how, how do we fit into the picture? Um, so that's, that's kind of a, it's a rural connection that you have to make. We're doing all of this online, most of this, yeah. but, but we're actually, we're meeting face to face and we're having conversations. So. Yeah. Well, I think that's important pieces, but having the conversation, um, you're obviously creating something of value, um, but also just enough to uh, present in the beginning that the intrigue is there that people don't, don't have preconceived ideas as to what this is, what this is all about. So people go through a, a 10 week uh, pilot. Um, and, uh, what is, what is, so what happened with high river when it went through the program and why, why I don't want to get into the, the secret sauce of the engine and how this all works is because I want people to follow up with you. I want them to go to ruralonpurpose.com and follow up with you directly to learn a little bit more about what it is you have that you do. And I've done it and I'm, and I, I said, why? So I understand the value of it to have that dialogue. So Perfect. high river, what was the, what was the output? Well, we started with a community that about of about 13, 14,000 people. And uh, in the very beginning of the pilot, we, we do a lot of surveys and we get a lot of data. So at the very beginning of the pilot, nobody knew what co-working was. They, wow. they didn't understand what 
most of them didn't understand, you know, the importance of what freelancers were bringing to the, the community, the value they were adding to the community, or that they even had freelancers in their community. They had no idea. Um, and by the end of that 10-week pilot, we run at the very end of it what we call a co-working takeover week. So we turn the entire downtown into a, a freelance-friendly downtown that has co-working options for one week, temporary spaces. And so we celebrate all of that. And there's a huge education component throughout the whole pilot where everybody's learning about, about why it's important and how to develop it. And, you know, and then they get to have fun with it at the end. So there's no commitment, no long-term commitment at all. Um, but there's a great marketing opportunity for downtown businesses because, you know, they get a chance to explore a potential new income source. Um, freelancers come out of the woodwork and they're like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and they stick their hands up. They stick their hands up for the first time and say, hey, I'm here and I'm doing this. And I've been really lonely working from my house. Yes, yes. And so, you know, it builds this whole sense of community and this conversation that is so essential to that, that ecosystem development. And by the end of that pilot, we had 12 different co-working options that did not exist in a town of 13,000 before we started the pilot. And the majority of them said at the very end of it that they were going to continue to offer those options after the pilot was finished. So wow. it was it was it was uh, it was really awesome because what we were trying to do was test to see whether the, the whole idea of a pilot is to, to test um, against a question. And yes. we had, we had three, we were trying to find out if, if um, it was a, a viable um, option in the community by testing desirability. Does the community even want it? Feasibility. Can they build that ecosystem and viability? Is it financially sustainable? And we got a yes through all of our data that we collected, a yes to all three of those questions. And they are they're moving forward with that that whole initiative and they're they're building a freelance friendly community that is attracting new residents and businesses and, and people from all over because they're investing in that in that that ecosystem. You love it. Love it, love it, love it. So the uh, the plan to make impact in rural environments is working. You're starting to get metrics that you're going to, you want one, see there's impact and two, you're going to continue to measure. But I got to think that, uh, that the, the, your pipeline has probably uh, filled up a bit with people saying, I got to learn more about this. I got to learn more about this, um, in, uh, other parts of the country, uh, in the United States and Australia. Is that, am I right when I say that's what's happening in this yeah. relatively short period of time. <laughs> you you are you're completely correct and and it's really exciting because we're having conversations with with lots and lots of people. We just finished a pilot um in Texas, in rural Texas, and that one came that came about as a result of um two business owners, a young couple that have their own online business in a small town in 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 Texas. And they invested in the pilot and ran it so that they could invest in their community and build the ecosystem that they need to keep them there. So that, right. that was pretty that was pretty amazing going through that process with with them. Um, and so they were building their own support system. 
And uh, we've talked to we've been we've been talking to communities in Mexico, and and their their needs are very different because rural Mexico um, the needs are that for with the farmers the rural farmers are home based businesses, and they are struggling with with that that uh, digital adoption piece. They have right. businesses that they need to run online as well as on their farm. And so creating an ecosystem of support in a community, a small community where the farmers can come after their farming hours are done and yes. and connect to, with each other and and have access to you know, services and digital supports and, and co-working options um, is that's the focus for them, which is really interesting. And then in, in, when you mentioned Australia, we're talking with, um, we're talking with some communities that have some huge, um, huge infrastructure projects that are happening that large companies are coming in when this, you, we know the story, a large company will come into a small community and and they will be there you know building something for like a hydro project for maybe five years and and during that five years they're investing tons of money in the community and it's the community's really really well off they build schools they 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 really invest but then what happens is there's this huge hole that's left when they when they pull up and leave um right and they the community's devastated so what they're doing in Australia with with some of these larger projects, they're looking at our our um, ecosystem development as this as this kind of duty of care to not leave a hole. So they're starting projects in Australia and saying we're going to also build an independent professional ecosystem that's going to support you, and you'll be able to support yourselves when this whole project's done and we're gone. Neat. So that neat, I, I think neat. that's really cool because that's a social uh, enterprise kind of mindset. And if if you have large companies that are that have that you know, and understand that duty of care, and they're they're reaching out, I I I think that that speaks well for what's happening in the world. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of dialogue emphasis um, impact happening from social enterprises these days, and so for the non-social enterprise person, entrepreneur, listening to this amazing story, they're going to say, "Okay, Mary, great stuff, but how do you make money?" And so, can you talk to us a little bit about your revenue model? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're we're again kind of on the on the cusp. Um, in Canada, I think that most people would look at social enterprise and, and, and I think it's even defined by the, the government as a not-for-profit. Um, it's a, an organization that's focused on social good and has, you know, has a mandate and a, and a percentage of their, well, all of their revenue um, that's generated goes back into that, whatever that project is, whatever that social good project is. Um, but I, I don't, our model is a for-profit social enterprise. So, and that's that's specifically because we believe that it's important for rural communities to build new sustainable options. And I don't think that creating a not another for me anyway, uh, another not-for-profit organization that's competing with others in the community for limited funds that uh, that are there um, is going to is going to help build that. So we. We have a for-profit model, um, and we try to keep it as lean as possible. But the the project is is absolutely 
fantastic and, and um, communities are, are getting so much value out of it. Yes, but, they are. But yep. you have to have, you absolutely have to have um, some skin in the game to make something like this work. If you're not committed, if somebody comes in and says to your community, we've got an idea that's going to, that's going to fix you. What are you gonna What are you gonna think about that? It, we, we, we're gonna We're gonna fix you, and here's the idea, and and here's here's the project, and we need you to run this project now. Um, yeah. You're not You're not necessarily gonna be on board, and with a project with an you're building an ecosystem in your community, it is absolutely going to fail if you don't have the the initiators being the people who see value enough value that they're willing to invest in it. And when they invest in their own communities, then they're, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't get support from their government, because I think that that's, that's what the, that's the purpose of government is to support those initiatives that, that communities want to run. And, and when you do it, reverse it that way, instead of top down, if it's bottom up and they, the the community identifies that, yeah, I really want to run this because I see the value in it, then, then supporting that financially makes a lot of sense. So we're, you know, I've always said, and this was a big risk, like we, we spent, you know, a, a good year working on the development of this really amazing program. And I'm glad that it's working. But I've always said, if, if nobody is willing to pay for this, then we should not be offering it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, so, absolutely. So that's, that's, you know, I'm, I took that, that risk. And, and it, it is paying off, but that's an entrepreneurial mindset, and you have to be able to to do that. If I if I ran it as a not for profit and had you know um, because I could have I probably could have um, scaled it much much more quickly because I would qualify for all kinds of of grant money um, to run this this yeah. program in communities, but because I didn't, it I you know it is it's a little bit of a of a diff it's a pivot. It's a pivot, and mm. I think I'm really glad that I made it because people and communities and even provinces are recognizing that that this is this is really really valuable. Cool, Mary. Um, rural on Purpose is at ruralonpurpose.com. Yeah, uh, I know you don't use Skype, even though we're talking on <laughs> Skype right now. <laughs> Took Mary four weeks to figure out, <laughs> but I want to, I want people to be able to follow you, learn from you, and connect with you. So ruralonpurpose.com. How else do they do that? Um, professionally, I love love professional sharing and connecting with people through LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn for me is is this amazing network where you know you can share all kinds of 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 resources and, and connections. So if, if you're interested in reaching out, I'm happy to accept an invitation uh, to connect and have a conversation on LinkedIn. That's with me personally, um, with our company rural on purpose, you can, you can follow us on any social media, um, or, uh, connect with us through our website. Um, and that's, wow. yeah, www.ruralonpurpose.com. And my name's Mary Doyle. Um, so I think <laughs> you, you, I'm, you'll find me on LinkedIn. 
I'm, you know, it's, it's 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 easy to get a hold of her, and Mary is very responsive. I, I I'm I'm chuckling over that. I was uh, reading uh, stuff on the movie Forrest Gump today, and the uh, and when you said and my name's Mary Doyle, uh, For, Forrest Gump's famous line or one of the famous lines was, "Yes, my name's Forrest Gump." People call me Forrest Gump. <laughs> so, so I was just waiting for you to say, but people call me Mary Doyle. <laughs> so Rivers, if I, if I get this right, I've gone from Freddie Mercury to Forrest Gump in the same podcast. <laughs> and uh, and both of them are award-winning and you are still Mary Doyle too, which is the same thing. That's Mary, uh, this is, uh, I could talk for a long time about the magic that's happening and a uh, little self-serving. We are uh, looking at... Of course, uh, we're very serious about bringing rural on purpose to uh, to New Brunswick, and we're in that discovery process now. So uh, maybe by the time this podcast uh, airs, we will have actually had a launch with your pilot, your first pilot here, and we're excited about doing that. So keep doing what you're doing. It's important work, and the more that people understand what you're doing and the impact behind it, I think you'll open up a totally new dialogue around supporting rural entrepreneurship. So keep happening, my friend. Thanks so much, Rivers, and I, I'm really looking forward to working with New Brunswick. Um, when I was talking about momentum, there is more momentum happening with entrepreneurs and, and an entrepreneurial ecosystem across that province than, than I've seen mm. almost anywhere else. So it's wow. really exciting what you're doing. And you, my friend, are an absolute steward of entrepreneurship. So you're mm, not just a, you. you're not just a leader, you're a guardian of it. And and wow. they're really really fortunate to have you there. Thank you my friend. That's uh, there, there there are times when I'll just let my uh, guests go off on a tangent and this is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you're great. We'll talk to you soon, pal. Okay, thanks. Take care. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. So how does one, how does one let's get back to Seth Godin and tribes? Uh, what's, you know, what's, uh, what's the, the formula for our audience that you would say, folks, this is how you build a tribe, AKA Andy Noman style. Well, you know, I, 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 you're talking about a master of marketing in terms of, of uh, Seth Godin, so yes. I don't want to even you know pretend to be on the same level. But but in the end, I think it all boils down to somebody actually giving a damn to what you, about what you are giving a damn about. Right. So, like I know I belong to like a, a few tribes. I'll, I'll give you things that that are important to me. Uh, mental health is one, and. Right. Uh, they're, they're, I get involved in that uh, heavily. Um, you know, I, I, on a whole other scale, I, you know, I'm a big rock and roller, a, a gym rat, a hockey player. So these are things that, that we're, if you're looking at tribes, that's where, where I belong to. If a guy wears too much jewelry, clothes, you can say. So these are tribes. But basically, it, it's a gathering of people who actually give a damn about what you give a damn about, but doing it in a way that's organic and not contrived. So if you're looking for 
a mnemonic or a rhyme, so to speak. You know, it's it, a tribe is not contrived. I think we could leave it at that. You know, it, it's something that's real. Right. And many times people will go ahead and, and, and uh, try and develop tribes in a very, very um, phony way, uh, buying uh, Instagram followers, so right. to speak. Buying uh, Twitter followers, buying likes—you know—you'll you, rack up the numbers. But those aren't tribes. Those aren't people who care about what you do. You know. So the ba basically, the, the best way to do it is is to to be authentic and show that you care. And you know what? Don't even. Here we go. Here's another. No, 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 no. You know, don't try for the tribe. Don't try. Don't try. Just yeah. be be real. And and you, they will gravitate. People will gravitate because people want to gravitate towards people who love what they do. It's 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 simple. So that's really the best way to get it done. Yeah, authenticity, and it takes time. I mean, and it takes consistent effort. Also, it doesn't just mean you get them once. You, you got them. You got to keep working at uh, maintaining that authenticity and value for uh, why they're going to be part of your tribe. Andy, you, you know, I got, I got to pick up pick something up on that. What you just said it takes time. Cool. I think that's the key. When people listen to this again. You know, uh, yeah. we, we got to see what's our competition here. Our competition is some of the world's best music, some of the world's best minds, you know, what, what people can choose to listen to at this very moment. But they're choosing to listen to this because they actually give a damn about, you know, startups and business and learning right. something, correct? But you said something that's really important. So hopefully if people are listening to this, well, of those who are, um, they will pick something up that I think is really important. And you said it takes time. And that's a valuable lesson. Because I don't know, maybe, I'm sure there are exceptions, but if you want to look at an adage, what I've found is that nothing good happens fast. Mm -hmm. Nothing, I mean, and you can be silly about it, you can be serious about it, but when you think about it and really put the time, you know, nothing good happens fast. When something takes off real fast, you know it's not going to last. You know, you know, it'll be a, you know, it could be a fad. Uh, and, and sometimes people will, will take a very fast success, let it go to their heads, and you know, there are disaster results that emanate from that. So it, it's not, you know, today's way of thinking at times uh, you know, to, that, that you should take the time, that you should let things happen in their time. And don't worry if things don't go as fast as, as, as they need to, if they go a little slower, because it will pay off in the end. Like, I'll just give you one quick example. Sure. I remember like, when we started Play the Future, people were always telling us, um, you know, uh, oh, but because uh, you, you, you would make a prediction today about something that happens tomorrow or later today or in two days. And people say, well, it's not going to work because um, people want instant gratification. They want everything instant gratification. I said, well, but why? Why, why do people want everything so fast? Is, is, do, does everything need to be that fast? If that were the case, you know, um, why would there be sport? Why would there be sports? Because right. you know, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 you have to wait three periods or nine innings or four quarters for the ends, end, end results. Yeah. Why? So anticipation is as important as immediate gratification. And in, in this, in terms of business, anticipation is ultra important. And, and the, the wait, you know, Tom, Tom Petty said the waiting is the hardest part, but it's perhaps the most valuable part.